0: Is OpenAI actually preparing for the robot apocalypse? Let's find out! This is the Tech Review Podcast powered by Axel Springer. Join us discussing the most important headlines from innovation, technology and social media. You're listening to episode 81, recorded on October 29th, 2023. My name is Tarek Mamluk, and virtually by my side is our visionary Vincent Irmler. How are you today?
1: I'm great. Every time I hear this, I'm really great, Tari. <laughs> and no, uh, and I just um, yeah, I'm very excited for this episode. How are you? How how are you about? I know that you're very passionate about the robot uh, apocalypse. <laughs> I <so> can't wait. <laughs> how do you feel? Yeah, that is what I wanted to hear.
0: It's it's something that I always keep saying. I feel like a reality became more and more like a science fiction novel, uh, and uh, <laughs> we had this discussion. I think. In the past years in the tech review, over and over and over again, if this is still the reality or if we are in a science fiction world or in a post-science fiction world, basically, because uh, I feel... Most of the things that we are reporting at the Tech Review are even more advanced than things that you find in the classic uh, science fiction novels. We are talking about uh, fusion power and mass colonization, quantum, robot, computing. Robot, quantum computers and all of these things. And you can't really if, if you are a time traveler from the 1960s or something and you read the news, you, you wouldn't be you weren't able to distinguish between this is reality or is the science fiction right we, we so, definitely VR headset. are
1: science fiction yeah, yeah exactly true true true
0: and yeah. i mean vr headsets are basically old news if you talk about like oh the old oculus rift this is like ancient technology <laughs> from the from the past generation if you right. like a young person has a vr headset in their hand and they say oh, that's so old it's something for yeah. like grandpa's <laughs> generation
1: oh, remember <laughs> like when remember when (laughs) remember when uh the first vr headsets uh were coming out um and some of them were those actually there's a different word for it you know those headsets where you just put your phone in yeah right right. yeah these three degrees of of freedom yeah exactly (laughs) and these um and when those came out like years ago and then you had the option to try them at i don't know your local like I don't know, your local video game store. And now those things are gone. Nobody does that anymore because it's too much of a mainstream device already. Those were garbage. uh, Well, those were garbage, (laughs) yes. But I mean, like, even if you would put something there, like the Quest 3 that they're currently marketing, right? Mm. Even if you put the Quest 3 there, I don't think a lot of people would do it because it's not as unique anymore sure when you put a vision pro there it you will go there a lot of people will go there but that i think is more based on first of all we believe that this is a next level of this technology and also well it's just the you know it just has i hope i'm using this word correctly now it just has a lot of cloud so a lot of a lot of people are just talking about it but like just putting a vr headset there nobody will care Right. or AR Snapchat glasses or, or those new new glasses that uh, Meta just brought uh, launched with Ray-Ban uh, together. Yeah. Nobody I mean, will care.
0: A, a kind of innovation but it's true it does not have this buzz yeah. with it. And I, I think anymore. That Apple yeah. is going to bring back the excitement about VR not necessarily next year because nobody is going to be able to afford these these uh, these headsets but over time When they come to version two or version three and it actually becomes like a commodity for people to have like we have our iphones today i think the hype will come back with the new features and the new platforms and of course the imitations from other providers that will follow the new trends of spatial computing that apple is going to set in the coming years
1: yeah absolutely talking about generations Tarek, tell us about pathfinder one
0: that is a great segue
1: and now this oh we didn't let's, do this last time that's funny
0: yeah i, I just uh spontaneously
1: decided because we are
0: going to the the short news and uh before yeah. we get to the head uh, the the main story today let's talk about some new innovation like the hindenburg <laughs> this was what i was thinking about because yeah, it's
1: kind of it's kind of like uh it's like kind of like vr headsets right it's like oculus yeah <laughs> wasn't it made by oculus the hey, wait, what, what, what the
0: the original, okay, what, the, what do you the,
1: mean? The hint, The, the We probably yes, it's should old not tech. joke about this any longer now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: okay, but in all seriousness, IEEE Spectrum reports that Google Founders Airship, Google Founder being Sergey Brim, uh, and his airship Pathfinder 1 gets the FAA clearance and picture this you're stuck in traffic on the 101 highway in Mountain View California and you gaze your gaze shifts skywards and witness something extraordinary what you're seeing is the Google co-founder Sergey Brin's ambition creation uh, the Pathfinder 1 airship and this one soaring high into the heavens. And I make fun of it because I call it the Hindenburg. The thing is, it looks like one of those all old blips. In, in Germany we say Zeppelin. <laughs> in, uh, in English I think you say blip. Uh, and this is what it looks like. And IEEE Spectrum reports that LTA Research a company founded by Brim in uh, 2015, uh, coincidentally the same year that the Oculus Rift was released, (laughs) with a mission to develop airships for humanitarian and cargo transport, received a special airworthiness certificate for the Pathfinder 1 in early September. And this certification opens the door for the largest airship since the Hindenburg. Yeah, it's not. I don't g- come up with this. It's literally in the article. Uh, uh, for the largest airship since the Hindenburg to take flight, and it's happening right here in Silicon Valley. With this certificate, uh, Pathfinder One can embark on flight tests within the boundaries of Moffett Field and the Palo Alto Alto Airport's airspace reaching heights of up to 1,500 feet. This unique opportunity allows the airship to explore the southern part of San Francisco Bay without interfering with commercial flights and from San Jose and San Francisco International airports. And the purpose of Pathfinder 1's experimental flight test program is to establish its flight envelope and it will follow a careful build-up approach. The process begins with outdoor ground testing tethering to a mobile mast, followed by approximately 25 low-level flights totaling 50 hours of flight time. LTA's ultimate vision is to employ these airships for humanitarian missions, delivering vital cargo and personnel to remote areas that are otherwise inaccessible. It's a venture with a noble cause echoing Brim's commitment to humanitarian efforts. And the most important question that everybody is probably going to ask is will this thing light up like the Hindenburg and the answer is no because the Hindenburg needed to be filled with hydrogen because hydrogen was the only light gas that was capable to carry this huge thing and the special thing about uh, this new technology the pathfinder one it's that it's constructed so lightweight this whole construct is so lightweight that it can be filled with helium helium is not as light as hydrogen But it is sufficient to carry this very, very light structure. And helium does not burn. And that's why this thing is not going to explode like the Hindenburg.
1: (laughs) I I just think that this is crazy, honestly. And also, I don't know why they are so... I mean, this is so... How do you say that? Uh, I want to say that I think it's really old school that they're talking about launching (laughs) this from, like, no, I mean, launching this from, like, an airport. Because why would you launch it from an airport? Who cares? It can just land and, you know, go. It's not like a plane. And it's not like a helicopter. You know, it just floats down. You, I don't know, drop off the... I don't know, whatever it is. Right now, I'm thinking about humanitarian kind of things they need, I don't know, say, somewhere in the I don't know, middle America, South America, somewhere, remote locations in the jungle, I don't know, a research team, whatever. Anyways, they dropped that, and you just float away again. So I wonder why launching it from an airport then again. It is kind of huge, so who knows. Yep. It's a cool thing. I really want to fly with it, Like if you make <laughs> a stop underway. I mean, you had a few on their list already. Maybe, right. you know, program one more in your Uber app and, uh, you know, go there, please. I would yep. love to see I would love to see that, but I'm Pretty actually
0: cool. going. I'm I'm actually going to pass Silicon Valley, so it might be that I see. I have no idea. I mean, the the picture shows it's somewhere in a hangar, so I'm not going to see it. But if for some reason it's exactly doing a flight, a uh, test flight, while I'm I'm uh, passing, I'm going to make a photo, of oh. course. I video. mean,
1: it's fifty hours of flight, uh, Tarek. Right. <laughs> you will. You you have the chance. <laughs> I don't know if they're doing it this quickly because first they have to do the pole thing. Yeah. So. Right. Right. Probably not. All right. Uh, well, the next uh, the next short comes for me. It's about proxies um, and Google, and it's about Anthropic. Uh, something that I think we heard about some episodes ago, being backed with a lot, a lot, a lot of money, and uh, well. Ps- it, this article comes from TechCrunch. It reads that today we're entering the epicenter of the AI proxy war, where tech giants are making massive moves that could reshape the industry. Google, one of those, of uh, one of the most formidable players, is reportedly investing a staggering two billion dollars in Anthropic, and AI powerhouse. Yes, it is two billion. You heard that. Right, the colossal investment is akin to a chess move in a high-stake game of artificial intelligence. Google, not wanting to fall behind in this AI race, joins the likes of Microsoft and Amazon in investing big bucks to secure their foothold in the AI domain. And I, I think we all can agree, Google, you guys, you, you need that. You, you should really do that. The specifics for this of this funding deal are still under wraps. But Source City by the Wall Street Journal mentioned an initial $500 million with the possibility of an additional $1.5 billion later on. What, those, what these funds mean for the future of Anthropic in the AI landscape remains to be seen. Microsoft previously made a massive investment in OpenAI, signaling, we all know about that, right, that the, the new era is about to start. Amazon also pledged $4 billion into Anthropic already, showcasing the fierce competition between the tech giants. Um, Anthropic is a standout in this era, in this arena, and it plans involving raising staggering five billion to compete head to head with OpenAI. It's uh, the their approach focuses on being an enterprise product, catering to the corporate world's world needs for transparency and safety. So, uh, Anthropic, uh, summarized in I think one sentence, is doing a very conscious kind of LLM uh, that also deals with liability and. Uh, well, in the end, yeah, as we just heard, is a B2B producer. I'm really excited to see that um, because I think, so in my understanding currently, like how we are treating LLMs right now, it is computer computing power times the amount of time you had to train. So it's a numbers game and a time game. And I think that... They're all late to the party because OpenAI is just training around the clock with the powerhouse of Microsoft behind it, that is producing their own chips for, to, to to work with LLMs that have their own Azure cloud, which is not amazing in terms of they're not the biggest AWS, it's much bigger, but they have the technology connected to it, and they're training around the clock already. They have been training around the clock. so. And they have much more experience because there are much more models already in the in in the past. So, what I want to say is, I think good luck with Anthropic. Currently, I don't see any reason why they would be better, because I think Bart just showed us that, you know, it's not that great. But but we'll see. Yeah, I
0: I don't I don't agree. I don't think that um, it is this one dimensional uh, because it's it's not only the time that you are training your models and the results is then the most amazing uh, neural network that are, you are having, because it, 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 it strongly depends on the data you are tra- training it on and the algorithm. And so I think um, OpenAI, they were the first ones on the market and they are the trendsetters, of course. But now all the other players are competing with uh, this number one. And the the thing that everyone needs to be able to compete is the money to actually do what you think is best, and uh, there Microsoft came in and supported OpenAI with a big investment, and I think now with this heavy investment uh, from, um, Amazon, uh, f- from, from Amazon from from Amazon, I think this gives Anthropic this boost. Um, to be able to compete. And I think uh, for, for us as consumers, this can only be good because um, it, it, it creates this competition. And I hope that next to Anthropic and next to OpenAI there will pop up more players with similar offerings and similar uh, um, uh, models that we can then choose from so that uh, we can place the right use cases and the right, right infrastructures uh, on on the right models. Um, and so, f- for for me, this is actually good news um, because this means um, there's more and more selection when it comes to um, these models to to be selected from. And I'm yeah. I'm really curious. I think uh, Anthropic is worldwide uh, the most anticipated um, new provider of LLMs.
1: Yeah, I think so too. But also maybe because that we already saw that some of them are failing in terms of they're not as great as anticipated so OpenAI obviously delivers what OpenAI delivers and then there was google and then there's amazon and all of their in-house systems are kind of i don't know kind of tough i mean titan now is i think better from what i know from what we have what we are testing so we'll see what anthropic will come up with right i don't know
0: Okay, let's jump to the next article, and this one i'm I'm super curious about. Um, the MIT Technology Review reports uh, this new A- no, this new data poisoning tool lets artists fight back against generative AI. And this sounds so crazy, uh, by the way, when we talk about futuristic technologies, now we are actually able to poison images and this way destroy. Imagine having the power to fight back against AI companies that use artists' work without their permission to train their models. This power has arrived in the form of a groundbreaking tool known as Nightshade. Artists now have the ability to subtly alter the pixels in their artwork before sharing it online. These seemingly invisible changes when incorporated into AI training sets can wreak havoc on the AI models that rely on this data. Picture this, dogs transforming into cats and cars evolving into cows, rendering the AI outputs chaotic and unpredictable. Nightshade is a creative response to the ongoing issue of AI companies using artists' creations without their consent. The tool aims to shift the balance of power back into the hands of the artists by acting as a powerful deterrent. The recent legal battles faced by AI giants like OpenAI and Meta and Google and Stability AI underscore the need for such a tool. These companies have been hit with lawsuits from artists who claim that their copyrighted material and personal information were harvested without permission. The team behind Nightshade also developed Glaze, a tool that allows artists to mask their unique styles, preventing them from being scraped by AI companies. Glaze and Nightshade work together, adding an extra layer of protection for artists. Nightshade takes advantage of a security vulnerability in generative AI models, which rely on vast datasets, often scraped from the Internet. And the tool subtly alters these images, making making it challenging for AI models to function correctly. And, of course, this data poisoning technique isn't without risks, as it could potentially be abused for malicious purposes. Still, significant t- damage to larger, more powerful AI models would require thousands of poisoned samples, given their billions of data samples. Nightshade's potential impact is undeniable. It may compel AI companies to respect artists' rights and more and more willing to pay royalties. And this is actually genius. Because right now uh, you have these big providers of LLMs that they make so much money that they are accepting certain lawsuits from smaller artists or providers uh, of, of data because they can simply afford it. But now imagine that if you are scraping the wrong data, something that you are don't have the right to, and this scraping destroys your complete model. And in the worst case, so much that you can't Use it and you have to collect a completely new data set because you can't identify which pieces of data that you used as input was actually poisoned. Yeah, but the result is that your model is completely unusable, and this forces the, the, the companies to rely only on data that they can know that they actually know that it is not poisoned. So, this is actually kind of genius. Now, I have no idea, um, or at least I expect the big, uh, the, the big, um, Model providers to develop rather anti a- antidotes <laughs> for this these poison pixels um, before actually respecting like the the uh, the royalties um, of the smaller artists. Yeah, but this this actually could change the way that the data is collected.
1: Yeah, I think so too, and I also would like to see that. I think it's a bit with uh, it's. I think it's very similar to um to jailbreaking of a phone sure uh, it kind of will go now back and forth uh they will jailbreak and then they will fix this and it will go back and forth the whole time uh and we'll see but i think right. it's very interesting and i think it's a very nice foreshadowing of our major topic
0: yeah and uh, of course uh, as the article said um we could see something like malicious in- insertion of poison data if i want to uh like attack attack uh open ai i could send images in there that are that that are um officially clean but if i injected like uh dangerous pixels i could destroy like everything that they they trained yeah so yeah. so this might yeah. also be some kind of uh, corporate sabotage in the future in well sp-
1: i mean uh I don't need to tell it to you, but I'm telling it to the to the viewer and listener. Wait until our major topic later in this discussion, because this is exactly what we're going to talk about. Before that, however, uh, we're going to talk one more time about Matt Morse. And we're going to talk about NASA and uh, aerospace. This week, NASA unveiled a remarkable achievement that has the potential to shape the future of space exploration, the NASA-funded subsurface water ice mapping project that's a very long name also known as swim that's a short name (laughs) that makes a lot of sense just released its fourth set of maps and they are these are not your ordinary maps no these maps provide us with an incredible detailed view of subsurface mars water on mars in other words they're like treasure maps guiding future astronauts to potential caches of ice buried beneath the martian surface now you might wonder why this is such a big deal i agree you see (laughs) mars is a harsh place and one of those one of the keys of future exploration is water on mars and the new swim maps are made possible by data collected by nasa mars renaissance orbiter mars odyssey and the mars global surveyor Hmm. But what sets this map apart of the utilization of high-resolution cameras like the Cantex camera or HI or IIC, High Resolution Imaging Science Experiment or HILZA. You would probably say in German. <laughs> well, thanks to those sophisticated instruments, scientists can pinpoint potential locations of subsurface water with unprecedented precision. They even discovered a massive ice deposit hiding beneath the surface about the size of a football field. These find This finding closer to the equator could serve as a prime landing spot for future Mars mis- mis- missions, Jesus. The Martian mid-latitudes where the ice was discovered offers a thicker atmosphere that makes landing spacecraft easier and who doesn't love love an easy landing, especially when you're millions of miles away from Earth. What makes the subsurface ice even more exciting is its potential use. Astronauts could drill into these frozen reservoirs to reservoirs to Extract water from drinking and, even more crucially, for making rocket fuel. Using location, Martian Resource is a game changer. Local Martian Resource is a game changer as it reduces the need to carry everything from Earth. It's like finding a hidden stash of supplies on your camping trip. Essentially a game changer for future exploration. Very exciting and, well... Uh, maybe this is something they've also test with spaceship uh, with Starship, not now, but later we'll see. And,
0: and I'm actually surprised that this data is so publicly available because, I mean, of course we we know it's uh, data for all mankind, right? <laughs> but uh, quite literally, yes, quite literally. <laughs> literally. the The thing yeah. is I would expect I would have expected that this is strategically so valuable that uh, the American government would try to keep an hold on this. Because for the whole planning of where to build Mars uh, colonies and bases, which is in planning right now by uh, missions uh, from Elon Musk and NASA and everyone, this is of course crucial. And they want to be close to these water reservoirs, as you said, uh, b- because it's super valuable for fuel and for like <laughs> keeping the astronauts alive. Uh, yeah, and so uh, th- this information will be crucial for planning how and where to set down uh, the Mars colonies and landers.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And if you have seen, <laughs> since we are talking about science fiction, right, uh, if you have seen <laughs> uh, the TV show For All Mankind, this is beautifully set and seen in there because they are doing exactly this they are landing on mars they are building colonies and the first thing that they are doing is drilling for resources and there, yeah, for it, water yeah. exactly for water and and this information where are the water repositories this is like the most valuable information that they could have so if you haven't seen this show it's amazing
1: <laughs> it definitely now isn't also the um i think isn't also the place where in the end Uh, the conflict is all arising about like why the series is still going on i i i I recall that very specifically that was um it's a it's a major thing go watch it
0: exactly all right and now this let's continue with our leading story today uh and we want to talk about open ai and their Preparation for catastrophic risks. Uh, Forbes reports that OpenAI is launching a team preparing for AI's catastrophic risks like biological and nuclear threats. And by the way, when we're talking about science fiction, yeah, it's there. OpenAI, one of the pioneering org- organizations in artificial intelligence, recently announced a crucial initiative called Preparedness. Now, what's Preparedness all about? It's a team within OpenAI dedicated to overseeing the development of what they fo- of, of what they term frontier frontier artificial intelligence models. These models are highly capable but come with potentially dangerous abilities. The primary mission of the preparedness team is to watch out for catastrophic risks across various domains like cybersecurity and nuclear threats. They are keeping a close eye on AI models, ensuring that they stay within safety boundaries that OpenAI is firmly committed to. You might wonder what these risks might look like. Well, the potential. To persuade humans through language or perform autonomous tasks is one concern. But it goes beyond that. They are also keeping an eye on those extreme scenarios known as extinction-level threats, such as pandemics and nuclear warfare. And this, uh, to lead this critical initiative, OpenAI has brought on board Alexander Madri, the director of MIT's Center for Deployable Machine Learning. He's taking a leave from MIT to head up the preparedness team. Another significant task is creating and maintaining what they are calling a risk-informed development policy. This policy will provide guidelines on how OpenAI should handle risks as AI models advance, moving closer to an artificial general intelligence openai is determined to take a comprehensive approach to ai safety they are also reaching out to the wider community hosting a challenge for people outside the company to send in their ideas on how ai could be misused leading to real world harm and i really love this because people keep asking me about the robot apocalypse and if the ai that we are developing today is going to be harmful and kill us all with killer drones and uh, uh, warfare robots uh, or simply like nuclear annihilation because uh, as we all know from documentations like the Terminator, uh, as soon as ChatGPT takes over like the internet and the nuclear missiles, uh, the humanity is going to be wiped out. And always it's it's the same thing. No, 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 it's just language models. It's just a tool. We won't uh, suffer from that. But if we see like the world leader OpenAI forming task force that are evaluating things like nuclear war and pandemics and like the worst case scenarios i think yeah we probably have to talk about that
1: <laughs> i i agree with you but now thinking back on article number three of the short articles we just discussed sending in your ideas for what could harm the ai model in like in, in a bad way, obviously, sounds a bit like send in how you would poison our model. So right. my question is, this tool definitely, or this team is definitely development, developing tools to make sure that we don't ha- see AI replicating itself and developing and learning from itself faster and faster and faster, agreed. But could this tool, uh, this team also be responsible for exactly what just discussed, that <laughs> yeah. the, the model is not harmed in any way, um, because who knows what will happen? But obviously, you know, a nice side effect is it's we don't have to worry about it and can scrape and use content for well, well, developing the model further.
0: Yeah, but probably this is exactly the question that they will ask themselves. But I think it's a genius move to say, send us your scenarios, because we know... Yeah the community out there, those are the people who come up within like a day uh, of a hundred ways how to misuse a new technology. And I always, I love this this running gag of um, that Apple is having this uh, paragraph in their terms of service of their iPhones and iPods and everything where they something say something like, um, it is forbidden to use our technology for uh, terrorist attacks or nuclear warfare or something like that. And I think like, yeah, because that's exactly why I bought this iPod. Because I, I plan to use it in like nuclear warfare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it,
1: I don't know. Yeah. yeah,
0: in fact, this is exactly what, what happens. Uh, so they have this cool chatbot uh, that is doing summarizations for me. And like five minutes after release, uh, people start creating phishing emails and social engineering. And I of don't course. know, probably like an automated hack for nuclear silo- silos.
1: So uh Ty, my big question for you is, will you participate in the challenge? I mean the top pick top ten as I read are gonna be selected to be part of the team and will grant twenty five thousand dollars. So
0: it, Yeah. It's it's a right? it's a great idea I I mean probably I'm going to try right Uh, I I hope that this is not something like a covert way to find like the most potent terrorists or something like oh did you read what this person was writing please send the FBI like uh, yeah he seems very
1: creative we should probably talk to him with law enforcement yeah this sounds
0: really scary we have to remove this person
1: (laughs) but I do like the idea of asking just as you said I do like the idea of asking the community coming up with the most obscure and bizarre things because obviously what's going to happen most of the time is not going to be straightforward right so if somebody is trying to attack the model taking over i don't know source code parts of the source code of code of open ai's gpt engine or i don't know anything um they need to think of it's not going to be straightforward it's going to be it's going to be difficult and very, I don't know, particular in what it does, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think this is the best way asking the community um, because surely they will come up with the with the craziest, the craziest things. So really cool, uh, OpenAI, really cool.
0: And one thing that everyone uh, needs to be aware of, um, especially our. Viewers, uh, because if you are watching the Tech Review, you are amongst the most informed. Uh, the most informed people.
1: You are um, the most informed people, not among. You are. Yeah, the you
0: are the most informed Definitely. people. So don't forget to subscribe, right? Uh, but but one thing <laughs> that you need to be aware of is that uh, these potential threats are not hypothetical, and we are closer to this as you might think, because right now most of us are simply using ChatGPT or one of these models to manipulate text. It's a large language model. But the truth is that we are past this point where we grant access to these AIs to computers and the Internet, starting from information retrieval, like automatically access Google and doing like research by its own, but also controlling a computer. We are having code generators, large language models that are generating computer code and also executing this. And this is the big change. The one thing is having an assistant writing text or code for you as an assisting system. The other thing is granting autonomy uh, 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 for utilization of a CPU, for example. And this means... Not necessarily having a robot programming itself, even though this is also happening, by the way. Uh, but simply having a computer running by itself, programming itself, and doing things on the internet. And this means giving access to an unlimited amount of data, an unlimited amount of systems. And since we now uh, these AI systems are capable of exploring uh, and 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 exploiting security vulnerabilities. And we are at the plot of a lot of science fiction movies where an AI is starting doing malicious things. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is exactly what the AI is going to do, but we are already at this point where we are, for research purposes, granting access to these critical resources to this AI that we are not fully able to understand. And that's why, even though it sounds so crazy, this approach of open AI is super, super important at this point of time, where we are starting to play around right and and <laughs> it's the matrix and it's the terminator movie and it's blade runner and it's everywhere everywhere um where the sci-fi world is starting all this uh, dystopian future is starting with people are celebrating the rise of ai and granting it unlimited access to the internet it's always starting like this
1: i tell i can just underline what you just said i think a great term that puts all of this together into perspective is this term of i think it, the term that was used on their website is frontier ai and i think frontier ai really says it all i mean it is on the frontier we don't know what's beyond that frontier uh, we but it's not a border that we don't cross it's a frontier and a frontier is ever moving so it will eventually incorporate what I don't know. A year ago, we thought would be in front of the frontier. It's not part of it. Yes. So, uh, I think "frontier AI" is a great word to summarize the dangers and the I don't know exoticnicity. It's a, is that a word even the exoticness <laughs> of what yeah of what could come. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's a great term. And I agree with you.
0: Yeah, and and to be honest, one year ago, pretty much one year ago, uh, ChatGPT was launched. And uh, or the GPT-3.5 model was uh, being released to the general public. Uh, and before that, we did not know, even though we were aware there is such a thing as large language model, and it's possible, uh, it's, it's powerful, but we were not aware of this degree of disruption that would happen in 2023. And that's why I'm not even daring to imagine one year from now Like in November 2024, on the Tech Review podcast, what are we going to discuss there? Will it be like blimps in the sky of of of, uh, California, or will this be like old news and we are talking about the robot apocalypse?
1: (laughs) Probably (laughs) going to look back and say, "Well, remember this thing one year ago?" Yeah. (laughs) Damn.
0: remember the gold, the gold old times when people were fighting people in israel and ukraine those were the good old times <laughs> today yeah, where everyone is is hunted down by like autonomous drones
1: <laughs> and definitely old times yeah yeah all right
0: that's it for today. Thanks for tuning into the Tech Review Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and found it both entertaining and informative. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback is the most important metric for us. And remember, the conversation doesn't end here. Write us a comment on YouTube. We'd love to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and ideas for future episodes. Until next time, keep exploring, stay curious, and keep being awesome will catch you in the next episode. Bye.